0: Welcome to this week's episode of Talk of the Town. My name is Phillips Weissgood and I am back with my good friend and co-host, Dr. Kenneth Harper from Vein Specialist of the South. If you have questions about your veins, give my friends at Vein Specialist of the South a call today and they will get you the answers that you need. And if you're one of our brand new viewers, on WMGT. Thanks so much for, welcome, for welcoming us into your home. We really do appreciate it. Here's what you can expect from us each and every week. A conversation with someone that's important in our community that's doing something to advance the middle Georgia area. This week is no exception. We are interviewing Arthur who is in charge of the Museum of Aviation here in gorgeous Warner Robins, Georgia. Arthur, thanks so much for joining us.
1: Yeah, Thank you for having me, glad to be here.
2: You know, Arthur, we spent a little time catching up before we got on air today, and you told me as a child you came over to the museum with your dad and the memories you have, and now you're the, one of the curators for the museum. That must be pretty amazing for you to think about that happening. Uh, tell us for the community kind of a little about the museum, maybe a little about how you came with your dad when you were younger,
1: and uh, start to introduce the museum to our audience. Certainly. So, the museum, uh, as you know, has been a part of the community here since 1984. So, close to 40 years now that we've been a part of the community. Uh, We are a a United States Air Force Museum, a field museum. We're actually the second largest museum in the United States Air Force. We have the uh, unique opportunity to operate as a partnership as well. So, we have the Air Force side and we have a nonprofit operating partner, the Museum of Aviation Foundation. So while the Air Force employees, myself included, we handle the artifacts, the exhibits, the aircraft, the restoration. Our nonprofit uh, partner, the foundation, handles all of our fundraising, uh, a lot of the day-to-day operations of the museum. They handle our volunteers, uh, our marketing. We could not be the great museum that we are without them. So we're, we're very grateful for that. Y- you mentioned you know growing up here in the community. Uh, I did, I came here as a young child. So. Uh, to be able to to be the curator now is certainly a blessing, something that I'm very thankful for. It's an amazing place and uh, we hope to continue to be that for the community.
0: Now, Arthur, I'm like you from middle Georgia and I have spent many an hour when I was young here with, I remember vividly with my mom and my brother and two of my cousins that they would come up and we would, this was kind of our default place to go because you know, as a young kid, all of the optics here are just incredible. There's so many fun things to do. And I'm curious, I know this museum has been here for a long time, but what are some of the new things that you guys have coming that people might not know about?
1: Certainly. So we we tell people all the time, you know, even if you've been in the community for a long time, to to continue to visit us, right? Because there are always new and exciting things here going on. So some of the things uh, in the near future, we have in April of 2023, we have a F-117 Nighthawk that'll be coming to the Museum of Aviation. So we're very excited about that. Uh, A lot of people know that as the stealth fighter. and it will be here, like I said, April of 2023. We hope to have a, a community welcoming event for that aircraft when it Wait, comes. Wait, so this is
0: like a full-size stealth fighter? It you is, guys are the, the
1: actual thing.
0: Is so that as cool as it sounds?
1: It okay. is. It's, it's pretty amazing. So, yeah. hey, does
0: security get do to take a ride in it before
2: you <laughs> kind of put it on the
1: exhibit or something? You know, I, I keep asking. Maybe one day they'll say yes. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, so, certainly, that's that's something we're excited about. We also, we have recently uh, acquired a A7D Corsair. So, that's a a light attack aircraft that was used in combat uh, during the Vietnam War, uh, and we hope to have that on display soon. Uh, A few other things, we have an AC-130 armament trainer, so uh, that would be, for those who don't know, think of an aircraft with no wings, so it was used to train our airmen on the different armaments uh, on an AC-130U, so that's great for guided tours and and those type things.
2: You know, I often see the the involvement between the museum and the community, which I think is critical to education of adults and young folks about the importance of freedom and the importance of the Air Force and the partnership that we have. The other thing I see is, and I want you to comment a little bit about that, but the foundation and the museum uh, that collaborate with the base to try to promote the base as far as uh, for uh, stability
1: of the base and for the community, can you share a little bit about those two points? Sure, certainly. So, as we've talked about, you know, we have generational opportunities here. We we have families who've been here. You know, they they've been here. They're bringing their kids here. Hopefully, they'll bring their grandkids here. And we talk often within the museum about how important that is for the Air Force. So, not as many people serve as used to. Correct. So. Uh, What that means is a smaller percentage of our population understands the Air Force, its missions, its roles, so we see ourselves as an important bridge between the community and Robbins Air Force Base, certainly, Uh, and and that is our primary mission to preserve the heritage of the Air Force, so we think that uh, we can serve as a, a community gathering place where that knowledge is passed on.
0: Now, Arthur, we're sitting here towards the the front of the museum and there's a lot of people that they've probably been by the museum and they recognize the the planes and the big building up front, but there's a lot more to this place that's behind us here. Can you walk through just a little bit of the layout and what this looks like?
1: Certainly. So, uh, it's very impressive. Let me just say that. If you haven't been, please come out and visit us. around 50-plus acres, four exhibit buildings, wow. somewhere around 90 or so aircraft, missiles, vehicles, wow. lots of exhibits.
0: It's just a really impressive place uh, to be. And I'm curious, and I'm going off script here, but if you had to pick your like, just favorite airplane in this place, which, which <laughs> one do you think it'd be? Oh, that's a, that's a loaded question. So, we have uh, here in the
1: collection, in our Sentry of Flight Hangar, there's a helicopter called the MH-53 Pavlo. Uh, That would probably be my favorite, very interesting service history, 40 plus years of of combat time from Vietnam all the way up to uh, the War on Terror. Uh, My predecessor and I used to talk often about the uglier an aircraft is, the more interesting the missions. (laughs) Uh, So I think the the Pavlo is a great example
0: of that. Interesting. Now I understand you all have some smaller artifacts as well, can you tell us about that as well? Absolutely. So, of course, everybody loves the airplanes, right? Uh,
1: They're the big showstoppers, but we have around 4,500 small artifacts in the collection. So that ranges from a uniform button to a flag to uh, anything in between. So what we love about those things is they help us to tell the story of the Air Force, right? So we use those artifacts to build up a um, personal connection to the aircraft and the missions that the Air Force flies. Uh, a great example of that would be uh, we have the uniform of Roland Scott. Roland Scott was the brother of General Robert L. Scott. We can talk more about him later. He's a wonderful man. But he was wounded in action. Uh, shot. Um, he was hit over Europe on a B-26 raid. The uniform is torn, it's tattered, it's bloody. It's a very powerful artifact that speaks to, you know, the violence of war and the sacrifice that a lot of our airmen have made through the years. So those smaller artifacts are just as important as the large aircraft.
0: Now we're having a great conversation with Arthur and we will be right back after a quick word from Vane Specialists of the South.
3: I am 36 years old and a mother of two boys who play sports year round. I am also a school librarian and enjoy a very active lifestyle. I play tennis, coach high school tennis, and strength train three to five times a week. My vein problems began in my mid-20s and became more painful over time. I never realized it was a medical issue or that something could be done to alleviate my symptoms. When I learned Vein Specialists of the South opened up a third location near me and vein care is the only thing they do, I knew I would get the very best treatment. It was covered by my insurance without a referral. The VSS staff were awesome. They made sure I was comfortable at my office visits and during my treatments. You won't believe the compassion you'll receive at VSS. I didn't realize how much my legs were hurting before, but after my treatment, my legs feel lighter and I'm able to stay active for much longer periods of time. If you want five-star vein care, I encourage you to call Vein Specialists of the South today.
2: Arthur, uh, we're sending in front of a pretty amazing plane. I can see it over my shoulder there. It's showing up on our video Uh, and it looks like we're kind of in the World War II section of of vintage planes here. Tell us a little bit about those and also about when you get an aircraft, what does that process look like for
1: restoration? Certainly. So the aircraft we're in front of here is an AT-6, so it's a light training aircraft, World War II vintage. Uh, the restoration process itself is always interesting. Uh, restoration can mean anything from small repairs to a full rebuild. So, Our B-17G is a great example of that full rebuild. That aircraft came here in 2015 uh, and was immediately put into restoration. And so we're about six or so years into probably a 10-year restoration process where we basically take the aircraft and break it down into all its small components Rebuild, replace, uh, and it will essentially be as close to factory new as it can be. When so, we're is done. flight worthy
2: when it's fully
1: restored? <laughs> it could be, but we it are unfortunately flown, right? uh, not allowed to do that by the National Museum of the U.S. Air Force. But yes, it is as technically complete as it could be. Yes, sir.
2: You know, it was something happened recently in the community,
1: and they were flying
2: some uh, vintage World War II planes in the community. And yeah. Uh, that was over at the other airport, I think, but it was pretty amazing to see those planes in flight.
1: It's always impressive,
0: and yes, sir. So, you know, Warner Robins is obviously growing. I mean, all the data points to more and more people moving here, which is obviously more people that could come and see this museum. So if it's a family that's moving to town and say they haven't been to a museum like this, where do you think you would point them to, to, to start and uh, at what, what ages do you think is a museum like this best for? We try to reach all ages, so
1: uh, we toss around the term lifelong learners here, so we want to see the young kids in our summer camps uh, and in our education programs. We want the adults to bring their families, their friends, their companies out for uh, programs that our education department runs, uh, team building programs that we have. So we could certainly point them in that direction. We do everything from birthday parties to corporate tours and everything in between. Uh,
2: what, are, what are your fundraisers or things that, that the community can participate in to support the museum? I know I have ran in one of those races out here in January one year. And uh, but Tell us some of those opportunities where if somebody's watching
1: and they want to help, how can they help? Certainly. So the first thing I would say about help is come visit us. Come see us, we are free, Uh, you can't say that enough, free admission, right? That's one of the most amazing things about this place. So come visit us and get involved. Uh, We have fundraising events. Foundation has uh, their uh, yearly marathon that they do in January of every year. So there's a marathon, half marathon, 5K. Weather always seems to be brutal for that, but we always (laughs) have a great turnout. Uh, So that's certainly something on the near horizon they could be involved with. And we are always wanting the community community to invest in the museum. So we tell people we we love to have their time, talents, or treasures, whatever they're willing to give, be it their time as a volunteer, or financial donations to the foundation, or just participation and sharing the museum and with their friends. So if you volunteer, what are the what do you volunteer to do? We have all kinds of opportunities. So everything from archives work, aircraft restoration even greeters at the front door. So the vast majority of people that visit the Museum of Aviation, the first face they see is a volunteer, right? And we could not operate without those volunteers. So uh, if they're interested, I would say reach
0: out and we'll find a place that they can fit. Now that road race, you know, it's really flat around here and I'm, I'm not a runner, but. Everyone that seems in my family is, and I'm I'm told at least that this course for this road race that is great for a PR, a personal record. So if someone's looking to run their 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 fastest ever 5K January, it might be a little cool. Not gonna lie, but uh, <laughs> you got you got a good shot at hitting a PR. So, so you gonna do it this year? You, you could not pay me enough, <laughs> but I hope, I hope a lot of people do, and I will be cheering you on right here on NBC. There you go. <laughs> so that's, that brings
2: up how many people come to the museum? I know, let's talk about pre COVID and the bounce back you're seeing now. Could you share a little bit about that? Certainly.
1: So, you know, I mentioned being the second largest museum in the Air Force. So, part of that is in 2019, we had 600,000 plus visitors here at the Museum of Aviation. Wow. So, uh, of course, COVID impacted that, but we are rebounding, uh, hoping for around 250 to 3,000 this year. Uh, and that's part of why we wanna re-engage the community to let them know we are here and we want them at the museum.
2: Hey, so one goal of this, uh, Aaron, this program is to, hey, let's go for 400,000 this year, right? That's that's a challenge
1: to the community. Let's Certainly. Get 400
2: or Certainly. more.
0: More would be great. Right <laughs> <laughs> Of those, of those, uh, 250, 300, maybe even 400,000 people. What do you, what do you think their, their favorite attraction is here? Like a, like wh- which, which plane, which artifact do you just hear the most about? So we get asked often about our SR-71. So uh,
1: okay. Blackbird, that's the reconnaissance aircraft from the Cold War, very, very popular. So lots of people wanna see that when they come here. Uh, it's in our Century of Flight hangar. We have uh, some simulators that um, are very popular with the kids so those are those are always popular
2: go in the simulator and
1: yeah yeah 3d simulator so not my forte (laughs) Uh, i would probably get motion sick but uh, yeah absolutely
2: hey one of the things i hear about is the national stem academy that's based here at the museum and you know i think that's something that people really want to know about so now's a chance to promote that Tell, tell us what stem
1: means and impact we see it having in our community certainly so stem stands for science technology engineering and math and we are very proud to have the national stem academy located here at the museum it's uh, one of our education programs run by the foundation uh, they reach out and bring kids in from not just the state of georgia but really all over the southeast we have field trips that come in they do summer camps there's a variety of different programs that they offer uh, very proud of the work that they do and uh, reaching the community. Of course, you mentioned that uh, STEM is very important, especially when you talk about the Air Force and its need for you know young people to learn those concepts early and apply them as they go into the workforce. So that's something that the STEM Academy uh, is, is very helpful for.
0: As a curator of the museum, whenever you have these young kids come into the museum just aside from having a good time and having fun with their friends and seeing cool things what do you think is the one thing that you want these kids to walk away with
1: I hope they walk away with just a little little bit of an appreciation of the sacrifice that a lot of the airmen have uh, made so that they can have the ability to come to a place like this so again that's where we go back to story and telling the stories that the personal stories that make our artifacts and our airplanes so interesting. Tell us a personal story about General Scott. So General Scott was a wonderful man. He was an early uh, champion for the museum. You and I talked earlier about that. Uh, for those who don't know, he was a, an ACE, uh, World War II ACE, uh, flew with the American Volunteer what Group. What does an ACE mean? For people may not <laughs> know what that means. So that means that he had five air-to-air, air-to-air kills. He actually had more than that, but he was you know, uh, an ace. Wow. But uh, he flew with the American Volunteer Group, uh, fought the Japanese in China before the US was officially in the war, went on to a long storied Air Force career, uh, and then in retirement uh, became a champion here for the Museum of Aviation, originally from Macon, Georgia, so you know, from the local area, uh, and was just a longtime friend and, and benefactor here for no. the museum. He wrote a book that was pretty famous, and there was a movie back in the 50s maybe? 40s, 40s. yeah. So, it, uh, God is My pilot was the film hmm. and, and the book, of course. Uh, and we actually have a great exhibit on that just upstairs here in the building we're in, so come see it. Hmm. So what plane did he fly? He flew the P-40, so we have uh, here just out of line, inside of the cameras, we have a P-40, uh, very similar to the one that he That's flew. A, it's a beautiful plane. It's gorgeous. It, is. it absolutely yeah. is. Yeah. Iconic with the shark's mouth on the nose and yeah, yeah. always very interesting to see. That's neat. And very so popular, I know. you mentioned. It's another popular very one. Very popular with, with visitors, yeah. Probably yeah. the most photographed spot in the museum. Huh?
2: Back a little bit to the STEM Academy. So I have uh, a child, or I have a grandchild that I think this would be good for them. Can do you, can anyone sign up to bring,
1: enroll their children in that? Yeah. Certainly. We have programs from individuals to homeschools to, to you know school groups that come mm-hmm. in a more organized fashion. So there's always different things available. So I would encourage people to check the face, our Facebook page uh, and our website as well for a full list of offerings. Right. And those are free? There's a charge for some of those. And and that's worth it, right? Absolutely.
0: So, Arthur, you were just telling us about General Scott and his storied career and how we were able to get this museum here thanks to uh, him and his efforts to be able to actually do this. And you mentioned that the museum is big on storytelling and you couldn't be more right when you say that. Because whenever you walk in here, if someone has never been here, it's not just planes everywhere, but it really is a story that you guys are telling. There's, there's documents on the wall. I mean, I'm just looking around, there's so much information that's, that's out there. Is there anybody else aside from General Scott that stands out to you that you guys have the story told here in this museum? How much time do you have? <laughs> so that there are
1: lots of those stories uh, throughout the museum, uh, and we do the best we can to tell all of those. Uh, one that particularly stands out to me would be uh, General Rick Goddard. So he was a former uh, WALC commander, so former commander here at Robbins Air Force Base. Uh, he actually helped us find and acquire an aircraft that he flew during the Vietnam War. Wow. Uh, we brought it here and went through about a five year restoration process and it's on display now in our uh, Neuteran hangar, which is our Vietnam War focused hangar. So what
2: kind of plane was that? It's is
1: an it... F-100D. Yeah, so small single engine tactical fighter. Hmm. Uh, and it's, it's just interesting, again, because of his connection to the community, still active in the community, by the way, Uh, and the fact that we were able to go out and get a historic aircraft, that he actually flew in combat and bring it in and restore it. Wow, wow. We were talking earlier about
2: tours, and uh, if I were to bring my family for a tour, tell us the options there and uh,
1: the process about that. Certainly. So we have heritage tours, Uh, We have a heritage tour department. They handle, again, a broad range of things, anything from a birthday party to a corporate tour to just somebody that wants to bring their family and have a guided tour. Uh, Those can be scheduled, again, through our website. Uh, There's also uh, some resources on our website for self-guided tours, if that's the preference. And we try to tailor those tours to the needs or desires of the group, what they want to see, the kind of time they have, that sort of thing.
0: But there's a lot of introverts out there, and so an introvert, they can come here, just them and their family. They don't have to talk to anybody. And this, and there's literally this self-guided tour that they can actually go on. Correct. Yes. Okay.
2: You mentioned a couple times. You mentioned the website. So, uh, tell us that website. Tell us the Facebook page. Okay, somebody's going to uh, take a break at the end and may not see the, the plug at the end about that. Tell us where, uh, how Sir. to contact
1: Sure. So it's, it's just going to be museumofaviation.org is our website, and search for Museum of Aviation on Facebook. we would love to hear from people by the way through those uh, through those venues you know if they have visited the museum seen something they liked or they just want to reach out and share a story with us we love for them to contact us that way.
2: When I was here for the race a couple years ago I saw you had Air Force One out there so uh, that was that was pretty cool it looks a little smaller I think than probably the current version but tell us uh, a little bit more about Acquisition of the planes,
1: how'd you get that plane, and uh, other things you think that our viewer audience would be interested in knowing? Certainly. So, that aircraft is actually a VC 140. It was uh, mainly used by Lyndon Johnson when he would fly to his ranch in Texas. Uh, It's a great example of an aircraft that undergoes uh, just a little bit of restoration as it comes in. The exterior is mostly complete, but there's some interior work to be done. I talked earlier about our B-17 and that extensive restoration process that it's undergoing. Generally, when we acquire an aircraft, we uh, we have at least a little bit of restoration to do. Uh, our MH-53, which is the helicopter that I mentioned earlier, is a great example of what we would term preservation. So that aircraft actually flew combat, was loaded on an aircraft, brought back to the United States and flew directly from Holbert Field Florida to Robins Air Force Base and then on to the museum grounds. So it is about as complete and authentic uh, of an artifact as we could ask for. To include, I tell people when you get in the cockpit of that aircraft it still has sand and dirt and everything from its really? last combat missions. Wow. So we always appreciate when there's more preservation and less
0: restoration but uh, that's always a unique challenge that we have. So Arthur, I was talking to my wife last night about doing this interview and I was telling her where we were going and who we were interviewing and uh, just kind of walking through some of the steps today. And she said, so how exactly do the planes get there? And I was like, huh, that's actually a really good question. So I mean, do you guys have to like shut down the highway? Like do they come in all in one plane or are y'all able to break them up? Like how, how, I mean, I know you're close to the airport, but, or to the base, Certainly. So it it depends on the size of the
1: aircraft. So
0: the larger aircraft, including
1: our B-1, uh, EC-135, some of the larger aircraft we have, they they have come down to 47. uh, if anybody feels free to, to Google SR 71 uh, on a highway, you'll probably see a picture of our SR 71 with a police escort
0: coming down oh, yeah. Highway 247. So it shuts down everything, I would imagine. Generally, yeah. yeah. Uh,
1: the smaller aircraft, though, we can usually bring uh, an alternate route through, through Robbins Air Force Base. Huh. So,
2: how many other.
1: Uh,
2: black, is it the Blackbird?
1: It is. How many of those are in museums somewhere around the world? I don't know the exact number off the top of my head, uh, but I do know that the aircraft we have here at Robins, so the specific tail number that we have, set the absolute world speed record. So it is that actual aircraft well, here. Do we what know was, th- what speed was? Yeah, That's my uh, question. I yeah. know you guys are gonna say. <laughs> It was fast, right? Uh, 2,193.67 miles per hour. Don't quote me on that. I'm sorry. I'll have to look it up, and then we can re-answer that question if you want to use it. Anyway. <laughs> right. I think it's 2,193.67, but I'll have to check. Wow! So this plane here
0: set that speed it did. record, right? Wow! Incredible. Yeah. Incredible. Right. Um, so, Dr. Harper, I'm curious about something. Yeah. They have over a quarter million people that are going to be here this year right. inevitably there's going to be someone that's going to be walking around and they feel some some aches and pains in their legs is that necessarily varicose veins and if so what should they do about it well you know
2: if you have bulgy veins or you got spider veins, you know you got a little bit of vein disease but you can have tired achy heavy legs when you're standing or on your feet a lot, working or sitting at work, and you can even have vein disease without anything visible. So if you have the symptoms, or if you've got obviously visible problems, just just call us up or go to veinspecialist.com uh, or our website and uh, get some information. We'd love to do an
0: evaluation and uh, see how we can help you. Wonderful. Arthur, I think this place is an incredible asset to the Middle Georgia area. is it's, we, are, we are so blessed that it's here and that we have this just amazing resource for all of us to be able to come, and we've been able to have this for years and years. So thank you for doing what you do. It's great to have this here in Middle Georgia.
1: Yeah, thank you for your thank time.
0: You. And thank you guys for joining us this week. Stay tuned for where me and Dr. Harper will be next week. You never know where that might be.
4: I'm a respiratory therapist, 33-year-old mother of two, with one of my children having medical needs. I enjoy being outside with my family and I enjoy riding horses as one of my personal pastimes. After having two children, my varicose veins were really painful and I knew I needed help in order to keep up with my busy lifestyle. That's when I reached out to the only accredited vein center in central Georgia, vein specialists of the South. Meeting with the VSS team, They listened to my concerns and developed a treatment plan perfect for me and my hectic schedule. During my procedure, I could tell the staff truly cared about me and what they do. The procedure was really quick. They put on my favorite music and made me feel completely comfortable the entire time. Recovery was easy and I was glad I didn't wait. And most of all, it was covered by my insurance. Now, there's nothing stopping this mommy from living her best life. If you need vein care, I encourage you to call Vein Specialists of the South today.